Hey everybody, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with who was it last week, Jamesy? This is Brandon Schwartz of the Great Dive Podcast. Welcome. This is James of the Great Dive Podcast. <laughs> Signing in for your listening pleasures. <laughs> pleasures, eh? Brando, last week we did a who done it. Who was it? Could the people guess who the story was? And we got a couple of emails. I got one definitive, I know who you were talking about. And a shout out to uh, one of our local gals, Chris. She knew that it was, in fact, Stan Waterman that got bent in Bora Bora. (laughs) Chris would know that. Isn't she like a big Stan Waterman? She's definitely got a crush on him, has for many, many years. (laughs) She swoons every time his name comes up. Oh, Stanley. (laughs) Ah, yes. Good old, good old Stan Waterman, everybody. It was uh, that little story we had last week for you about uh, diving in the the very early 60s. a lot of people don't realize that, you know, when you talk about the early days of scuba, Brando, like everybody, like Jacques Cousteau is who everybody, uh, you know, uh, basically thinks of. But- Although, hey, I, I got to say this. I, uh, you know, I'm teaching a couple of young boys right now, close friends of the family. So they come over here for their academic portions and they seen some Jacques Cousteau memorabilia and they're like, who's this guy? <laughs> Get out now. Take your flippers and get out of my face. <laughs> Take your flippers and goggles because we're done here. Now, I educated them and pulled out a few books, and they thought, you know, I have that book by Falco that is about Falco. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Believe. Yeah, anyway, they thought Falco was Cousteau because Cousteau's name is on it there. Anyway. No, he was the chief diver on the Calypso. <laughs> Clowns. <laughs> Give me a break. Do you not want to learn? No, the boys did not know who's, who Jacques Cousteau was. But Well, that's where the Great Dive podcast comes in because we are sharing with the, uh, the kids of the world who are just getting into scuba. You know, they're all, they might not know who Jacques Cousteau is, but they sure as hell know who podcasting scuba giants <laughs> James and Brando are. So we're, it's, us, it's up to us to share with them. Uh, who, who these old guys are. And by the way, people out there, old Stan Waterman really should get a little bit more credit than Cousteau because he was actually exploring and enjoying the underwater world long before Jacques Cousteau was. As a, as a wee young little child uh, uh, in the 1930s, he was gifted a pair of Japanese ama diver, the pearl divers uh, goggles when he was a kid in the 1930s uh, down in Florida and started exploring the waters and really became one of the very first ones and immediately, you know, got into filmmaking as well. And unlike Jacques Cousteau, you know, Stan Waterman was lucky enough to get a break in America's Hollywood and go on to be on many, many movies and uh, documentaries himself. But I told you last week when we gave it away who our story was about that we talk a little bit about the grand ambassador of scuba diving, good old Stan Waterman. He was up in Maine, Brando, 
as a young man, fresh out of fresh out of the Navy, uh, moved his family up to Maine, become a blueberry farmer, and bought the very first aqualung that came in. He was the first guy to have one. Well, he was one of few guys with aqualungs in the world. I mean, yeah, right. On, right. They he, well, pretty, they say he he said he had common. the twenty fifth aqualung. Wow! So Maine got the twenty fifth fucking aqualung. You believe that? Who and got old, the, and, and old, the, the other twenty four? Tiffany, we need to do an, uh, another episode <laughs> of who got the first twenty five aqualungs. Write that down. I mean, if you go up to Maine, there is diving there, and it, it's beautiful water, and uh, but it's it's chilly, and it's not like you know Florida. I would have thought Florida would have had twenty five right off the bat, or California. Yeah, California, I think got the majority of them right off the bat. But even even California, you're like um, a little chilly. It's not as easy diving as Florida is. Is what I'm getting. Right. Yes, a little bit more difficult diving. Well, and right. he was had one of the very first dry suits ever too because of that that cold water up there. You know, he he immediately got into doing you know like small search and salvage stuff as a as a young man with an aqua. You know, you know recovering stuff in marinas and. You know, lifting boats and foul props and stuff like that. And eventually got into taking pictures to become the the man that we all know him for. And he's also known, Brando, as the Poet Laureate of Scuba. I believe that. I know he went to Dartmouth. He was an educated man. (laughs) He had his way with the pen. Well, that was his major. He was an English major, wasn't he? And uh, I mean, he Tis went to school with his major, sir. It was his major. Twas. He's a twas now, unfortunately. A sad day for the world of scuba and uh, literature, for that matter. But he uh, he went to school with Robert Frost, poet. The poet Robert Frost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the uh, garbage man Robert Frost. Who Bob? Shout out to Bob. Who picks up my garbage every Wednesday. Bob Frost, I, he's he's down at the corner of the bar in, uh, <laughs> on Friday nights when we go up there for uh, pizza pub night. Hey, Bobby! Different guy. I see a, a couple of things that I don't think a lot of people know about Stan Waterman as far as his diving career. Lay it on me. Lay it on the people. Lay it on the people. Well, I mean, things like, I mean, a lot like uh, Brett Gilliam. He had a dive charter in the Bahamas. One of the uh, first. Yeah, he uh, he left like once he like really fell in love with with being underwater and using this aqualung. He I think he realized, let's see, there's the Bahama water <laughs> or I could stick around Maine. Yeah, I could uh, write, write, write for the newspaper, teach at a community college or a real college even. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. My- my good word. <laughs> well, he, he did graduate from Dartmouth. I think I could hear him saying the exact same thing I said. I could teach at a community college or even a real college. <laughs> Those Dartmouth guys. But, uh, yeah, and he, he was picked up by National Geographic. So, I, I mean, right there, you, you've got your uh, red carpet into the world of underwater filming. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, having a National Geographic writing your paycheck kind of slick little deal especially back in the day when when, then, when, yeah. when uh you know when being a photographer you know you know was uh, was uh, you know it wasn't everybody could be a photographer because you got a really nice phone in your pocket all day long like like we do nowadays like you had to 
be a photographer, let alone the the of all the photographers in the world, you were an underwater photographer in the 1970s, and you could actually, you know, direct and produce an underwater film. I mean, that, I mean, having like a, a cinematic flair underwater, I mean, you were a very special, unique person back in, in those days. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, magazine photographers were actually making a decent buck and um, a magazine like National Geographic, which wasn't only a magazine, they also produced movies. Yeah, movies and television shows. Yeah, yeah. And, and like back in those days, you know, you you kind of like just were sent on location with a blank check. Yeah, you, you know, for just, the most part. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, okay, what do you need to do? Well, I need to, you know, go to French Polynesia for a year to get all this footage. All right. And uh, we'll here's see, another. We'll see you in a year. Let us know if you need more money. <laughs> exactly. Just drop it from a cargo lane. Right, right. <laughs> with a parachute, uh, wherever you're at, you know, because he did a, a documentary uh, about a year long trip to Tahiti with his family. Right, right. Which was kind of like the where the Bora Bora story from last week came from. Yeah, I mean, especially back then, the world was a much, much larger place than it is now. And to have the, the I want to say, the cojones to, just pick up your family and head out onto the open ocean to uh, the middle of nowhere, literally. Oh, right, L- literally. I mean, could you imagine in the, in the 1960s t- just uprooting your whole family, going to Bora Bora, Tahiti, you know, over there? Like, uh, it, It's not like you could just get on Google and go, what's yeah. it like to live? <laughs> I mean... Yeah. You go down to the library and like look through some encyclopedias. You know, there's a there's a two inch wide column with you know a, a number six <laughs> font, tiny little letters. You got to read it with a you know a magnifying glass, and yeah. it's like uh, two and a half columns of uh, the whole entire history of Bora Bora, and that's all you know. Yeah, aren't there uh, aren't there head hunting? Cannibals well, that was the other thing. I heard. You I don't heard know if you're, you're going into friendly native lands, or they're going to cook you up in a in a pot over a fire. Yeah, yeah, definitely a different uh, flair and sense of the world you had to have back in his days. Yeah, and he did. He uh, obviously had a, a thirst for adventure. Yeah, yeah. Well said. And. I mean, here's here's the thing. His name was Stanton, not Sandley. Stanton. Stanton Arthur Waterman. <laughs> At your service, sir. There's old Stanley. No, Stanley. Stanton. Step off. The name's Stanton. Stanton Waterman. At your beck and call, madame. I bet he had the ladies wrapped around his little finger. Oh, he did. He was yeah, uh, Chris. He has Chris he had a wrapped around. Dart. He was wearing his little Dartmouth uh, <laughs> cardigan big, with the big, big D. D on it. He's smoking his pipe. <laughs> he had a pipe. He had a, he had a way with words. He had a bit of a. He was a bit of a silver-tongued devil, they say. And he wore an eye patch in his later life. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's gonna get the girls. And speaking of getting the girls, Randall. Oh, I was going to say, I was thinking about wearing an eye patch just for the look, just for the aura. The, the What's the word I'm looking for? The, the je ne sais quoi <laughs> <laughs> of the eye patch, that certain something. Well, not everybody can pull it off. No, Stan did, though. He did. He did. It was part of uh, you know uh, what would be seen you know by, by many as like um, 
as I get older, my body starts to fail me. I got to wear an eye patch. I'm an old, decrepit man. Uh, Stan was able to uh, wear it and wear it well, and it became part of his charm for many years. Yeah, I don't know if you could ever call it. I mean, the, the man reached 100 years old and did his last dive in the Cayman Islands at um, – he did his last dive in the Cayman Islands at the age of 90. I mean, he beat Jacques. I believe he beat Jacques. Yeah, he, yeah, it's am- it's amazing. I mean, he was uh, a, a guy that dove for 80 years. Yeah, there's not many of those, right? <laughs> right, right. I mean, from his... I mean, he was in the water as a as a child up up into his nineties and lived to be a hundred. I mean, diving eighty percent of your life that's that's pretty uh, amazing feat for the for the guy. For anybody, yeah. Uh, the winner of a number of uh, Emmy awards for underwater films and TV programs, and um, one of his most famous films, Brando, is one of my favorite films. Uh, it, it is without a doubt, I'm going to say, probably the quintessential underwater film. I mean, I mean if they're in it, it yeah. It, with diving in it, because yeah. there's a lot of diving action, it really set the pace for, for diving films, no doubt about it. I don't know. Can you name one that's better, that has uh, more, like, realistic diving and amount of diving and a, a beautiful young lady to really... <laughs> Treat the eyes of us male pigs. <laughs> of us male chauvinist <laughs> pigs. pigs. I'm not, not a chauvinist. Not just us, just but I think the, the I don't world. Call myself a chauvinist. The world was. Uh, uh, when I say the the most popular film, I'm saying like the most popular scene in underwater cinematography, without a doubt, is the Jacqueline Bisset in the deep in the wet t-shirt. Um, it, it it stole the hearts of many a man for many many a year. Speaking of Jacqueline Bissett, I think she was a fan of the Great Dive Podcast, or is a fan. She is. A, she uh, if, if you look closely that in that in that photo from the deep, you can actually see a Great Dive Podcast. She she had one of the very first "Don't Touch My Fucking Shit" stickers <laughs> on her tank. You, everybody the should go over did, yeah. and look look for that picture. I think Brando's going to post it later. If you haven't seen it yet. But yeah, classic movie and one of my favorite actors. I mean, Jacqueline Bissett's great. Nick Nolte is great in it. Oh, I know, I know who you're talking about. Jr. I know who you're talking about, though. You should know. You gave me a beautiful painting. The man, Robert Shaw. I know That's he's one it. of your favorite actors. He is. We're going to need a bigger boat. No, he didn't not say he, that. <laughs> not, not in that one. But uh, yes, he was in both Jaws as well as The Deep. One of the great character actors of the of the seventies for sure, and he was the best diver on the set, from what I understand. Now, Jacqueline Bissett, um, when they started filming the deep, it was her very first dive. Like she learned on set, you know, took a basically a crash scuba class to learn to dive, and they started filming that movie. And now, again, like this, this goes back in a time when. You know, learning to dive, you know, in many ways was just getting comfortable with equipment and everything. Every, everything was bottom based, you know, being comfortable without a mask on your face, being comfortable without a regulator in your mouth. But you did everything from the bottom. And you can certainly see that if you go back and watch the film. And it, it's old time diving, uh, a little bit more intense 
lot more work than uh, what you would see out of a, what we would call a good diver in 2023. You had to have some watermanship. You had to have some comfort in the water and some physical fitness. Oh yeah, yeah. You had some had to have some strength because you you, you they they didn't know about the technique then. Uh, they were swimming to try to swim forward as well as also try to swim from sinking negatively because they were all negatively buoyant, you know. So yeah, yeah. You had to have some some power and some legs in that uh, body of yours, and she definitely showed that off in that film. <laughs> she did, and she did it well, old Winifred. Old Winnie, yes. Uh, the uh, y- you guys can go out and check out the movie, The Deep, which uh, which was it was kind of a cool. I mean, in, in the time, you know, it was you know a young couple. I mean, like the when you watch it, like the first ten minutes is all like all underwater of of them like diving on this shipwreck down in uh, the the Virgin Islands, cruise around, beautiful fish, beautiful colors back then. I mean, this is when you know they're getting some lighting, they're getting you know Stan Waterman's there as, as like a real cinema you know cinematographer with his team of you know Al uh, uh, Giddings and um, uh, what's another his face? big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Chuck Nicklin. Old Chuck Nicklin. We've brought him but, up a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, they find some uh, they find some stuff underwater and some treasure, and then uh, they get in uh, like a big battle with some drug lords. And it's a, it's a it's a great movie back in the day. And, I don't think le- James. I got to correct you. I, it was Bermuda they were in. Um, well, where they found the stuff. Well, technically, Brandon. <laughs> They might be taking place. They might be taking place in Bermuda, but they're diving on the wreck of the Rhone, which is in the uh, I know, British Virgin Islands. The, the movie it's taking place in Bermuda, <laughs> but yes, they were in the Virgin Islands on the Rhone. Yes, yes, and then um, the kids today might be familiar with the the um, Jessica Alba movie Into the Blue. Yeah, which was kind of like came out in like the early two thousands. It was a bit of a ripoff of the deep. Who was in that with her? Was uh Paul? What's his face in that with her? Paul Walker. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Paul Walker, Jessica Alba. Similar, very very similar story, but instead of it being a shipwreck, it's a plane wreck, and it, yeah, you know, instead of showing, you know, Jacqueline Bissett in the Jessica in Alba. The, the wet t shirt, <laughs> they show Jessica Alba in a tiny bikini bottom, and yeah, 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 but same kind of idea. And speaking of old Jacqueline Bissett, and I know everybody's probably wondering, like, man, like, where are these guys going with all of this? Obviously, we're going to Manscaped somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what, Brando? Now that you mention it, that's a good idea. Because not only is it the time for talking about the deep, it's also the time where old Santa Baby's getting ready to come out for his holiday season for uh, giving you, everybody, a nice little fresh cut with our sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. You know them. We talk about them all the time. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming, they have just launched their fifth-generation lawnmower to help you avoid another silent night when you're swimming around shipwrecks in Bermuda looking for treasure. (laughs) Or uh, when you're, uh, you know, in the (laughs) V-birth. 
of uh, your little ship down in the in the Bermuda or the British Virgin Islands, Brando. Uh, or at home here this holiday winter, uh, you can take care of your special snowflake with Manscaped and watch your South Pole shine like never before. I was waiting for the South. I was waiting for a pole. What about your North Pole? Your North Santa's Pole? At, Santa's at the North Pole. But yeah, but he's uh, br- bringing uh, some... He's bringing his manscaped candy cane right to your house this this holiday season. And Brando, he's going to stuff your stocking all the way with uh, because he's going to manscaped.com and he's going to use the code TGDP, just like all of you should, for 20% off and free shipping. Not only will your wife thank you, but so will Mrs. Claus. Whoa, what the heck's going on there? I just got a message from somebody that uh, went over and used our code TGDP. Nice. Picked up uh, the little uh, Weed Whacker 2.0 ear nose trimmer and uh, sent me a message about how much they already love it. That's awesome. Uh, they are great gifts, and you uh, order now. I believe you'll probably get it. You should get it. Yeah, I think so. Like yeah. uh, we're, we're still, uh, you know, what, uh, two... Uh, 10 days, week and a half from a whole holiday season. 12 days till Christmas. It's the 12th day of Christmas. My uh, true love gave to me a lawnmower me. 5.0 <laughs> Ultra. All right, everybody, get 20% off of free shipping with the code TGDP <laughs> at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Free shipping with the code uh, TGDP. Say ho, ho, ho to a well-groomed mistletoe with Manscaped. Brando. James. Stan Waterman has a book out called sea salt that i right here nice have my little copy of of course you do amazon.com must love you it's a collection of memories and essays by old stan waterman um a foreword by old peter benchley the author of jaws as well as the author of uh, the book the deep that, that that movie was also based upon but it's a nice, I mean, nearly 300-page collection of just memories and essays and stories. And I have here for you and the people one that he wrote entitled Jackie. Nice. I can't imagine who that's about. Oh, just close your eyes. You'll be able to imagine. <laughs> what comes to mind when you imagine Jackie? Jackie, 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 Jackie. I Winifred. know. It's a, I, I, old Winnie. Does it sound better as Jackie or as Winnie? You know, I, I, she, I think she could have gone either way. She was, uh, she was a beautiful woman. It is a beautiful woman. She's still, still kicking at, uh, I think, nearly 80 years old. Oh, yeah. You're on Wikipedia looking at her, aren't you? She's five foot seven. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am looking at, at some pictures of her though from back in the day. She was a, a very, very um, active actress for a very long time. I, I didn't realize she was as active as she was. You know, uh, you know, really her whole entire life—the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand ten. I mean, she's uh, been doing stuff her whole entire life. Well, back then, you know, I was a young man back then when uh, The Deep came out. Uh, I think The Deep was very 
a big part of her shooting up in her uh, stardom. I think it really catapulted her to success for sure. I mean, she was, it wasn't her first movie or, or anything. Well, like that, I think specifically in America, because she was already a pretty skilled and active British actress for quite sure. some time. You know, for what, nearly, uh, you know, a decade or more, if not almost 20 years? Yeah. By the, by the time, uh, you know, The Deep came out in the late 70s. But um, yes, her, uh, her wet t shirt scene would. Um, Later go on to fill the hearts and minds of many a pre-Manscaped man back in uh, the the 1970s. Yeah. Well, yeah, she was a pretty big name already by then. So I I do remember she was in uh, James Bond movies back in the 60s even. She was Miss Goodthighs. If you remember, in, uh, in the Casino old Royale, yeah, one of the first James James Bond. Back in Casino Royale, the old yeah, the original first Casino, Casino Royale, yeah, <laughs> Miss Miss Goodthighs. <laughs> they had some good names for for the uh, the e the lady. I don't want to call them villains because they're not really villains usually, although there are some, but they're the um. Often the love interests. Does he really have a love interest, James Bond? Um, an an is it evening love? interest. <laughs> an, uh, a weekend interest is what is James love? Bond has. Is it truly love? It is, is it... tonight, sweetheart. <laughs> Does that work? Does that work, that line? 60% of the time, it works every time. There you go. Jackie. An article, Brando, in Ocean Realm, about Barracuda and the speed with which they attacked their prey put me in mind of an experience we had when we were filming The Deep. And that, in turn, brought my memory back to Jackie Bissett, a most happy segment in my memory bank. How's my, how's my Stan Waterman? Not bad. It, it is proper it sounds like you you are an educated man why thank you sir where's my, i need my i need a pipe you do in a patch i i need a <laughs> i need a pipe and a patch and i'd have this down pat brando you may recall in the course of the plot for the adventure story by peter benchley that nick nolte and jackie Bissett play the parts of a young couple vacationing in bermuda there are drugs treasure a murderous but cultivated bad chap played by Lou Gossett, and a good guy, Lighthouse Keeper, played by the late Robert Shaw. However, before these heavies appear in the story, Nolte and Bissett are enjoying a diving holiday on a wreck, the hard-used but still picturesque wreck of the Rhone provided the location. Uh, The the wreck of the Rhone is... uh, one of the first shipwrecks, like in my memory bank, because I, I knew some guys back in the day when I was a wee lad working at the, at the dive shop that were going down to. Uh, they were uh, a couple of local guys that were renting a boat down in Fort Lauderdale and heading over to the BVIs back in the. This would have been the 
the eighties, mid. No, this would have been like the mid nineties. No, early, early, yeah, early nineties, probably because I wasn't uh, probably like 90, 90, 91, 92. I forget how like young you really are. And they were going to dive. They were hell bent on diving the Rhone. All I wanted to do was dive on the Rhone. Well, it was in the movie The Deep, which is where they, I'm sure, I'm sure they knew about it there. Yeah, it was one of uh, one of my uh, buddies was out diving it and came back all excited about it. Yeah, and it's a pretty. I mean, it's a like he says here. I mean, it's a pretty well beat up, but it's cool. I mean, there's a shallow section to it. There's a deep section to it. It's a cool, fun dive. Before I proceed to the heart of the story, let me comment on the production team: Al Giddings, Chuck Nicklin, and I did the underwater camera work with. Very ably directed by Al Giddings. We were supported by an underwater crew of as many as 16 divers on a single shoot. Light holders, cable tenders, safety men, a continuity girl, and a senior director for the entire film, Peter Yates. The continuity girl, whose job it was to record every detail of the set and the costumes, was Jerry Murphy. Then, a young girl on her first diving job. She later achieved fame as the principal photographer and writer for Skin Diver magazine. This juggernaut was on location, about 30 feet deep on a section of the wreck. The action involved Nolte taking pictures of Bissette with his Nikonis, while Bissette was feeding the Yellowtails and a single 8-inch coney that was in the scramble. Jackie had a plastic bag from which she drew scraps of minced conch. Delicious. And again, this is, I mean, this is the opening, opening like, opening 10 minutes of, uh, of the deep, right? They're, they're swimming around, you know, beautiful shots of like schools of, you know, French grunts swimming around. You got all the beautiful colors of the, the, the coral growing on the shipwreck and Jackie swimming by in her just simple red harness over top of her <laughs> white t-shirt and a, a thin fit buff Nick Nolte, you know, just swimming along in his short, manly shorts, uh, breathing those really cool old, old regulators. I mean, the, 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 when you see him swimming around with those old, it, it was a spinnaker regulator, like an old, I think an Italian regulator, but a very, very cool, unique look to uh, to the old regulator. But very simple, single hose. I have one of those, actually. Old Jamesy, do you? Now that's a collector's item. I mean, uh, when you when you think of scuba regulators, I mean, uh, I mean the the first stage looks like just like a big old style first stage, but that second stage was such a such a unique look to it. Yeah, mine is not as old as that one that uh, they had, but but it's nice. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to show up for historical dive day one of these days and just yeah, and, uh, and just and just. Get dressed up in a bunch of old weird shit and, and take go some have photos. Some fun. Yeah. yeah, go have some fun. Three cameras were running, catching the scene from different angles, and all eyes were on the action. Suddenly, where the coney had been, there was only a puff of scales. 
The yellow tails had scattered a split second earlier and now returned to feed. Beset was unaware of anything having happened, and so were all the rest of us, except Nick Nolte. Now, let me tell you what happened. Another pair of eyes had been watching the feeding exercise from a distance of about 25 yards. The eyes belonged to a barracuda, about a four-footer, who hung out in the shadow of some wreckage and was a well-known resident to regular divers on the wreck. With the instinct of a superb predator, he had, even from the distance, observed the vulnerability of the coney as it dropped all caution to concentrate on the feed. Nolte was on the long axis of the attack and saw it happen, and, of course, babbled excitedly about it when we surfaced. Would the attack show up on the 35-millimeter film? We had to wait 48 hours to find out. That's the time it took for the dailies to be flown to New York, processed, work printed, and the print returned by special messenger for screening by the director, producer, actors, and camera staff. You'd think they would have flown developing tools to to the location <laughs> versus having to fly all that stuff every day. Right, right. Every every day shooting, and, then you, and it's you, you pack it up. Somebody's got to drive it to the airport. Yeah, and get this, it shipped off. I mean, this is like a a, a big, big, big deal. It's they the seventies too, James. It's not like you know today you can get a FedEx ship overnight. out overnight without a problem. I mean, the, there's a million planes flying around the world just with packages, envelopes going. You know, doing your overnight delivery stuff. Not then. Yeah, you, you didn't have Amazon droning <laughs> a package to your front door back in these days, kids. Right, this was you know the days of you know Western Union was a was a big deal for. Uh, they still had telegrams. The goddamn Pony Express was still running the <laughs> the the Wild West of America on horseback. Digital film, you know. Uh, Today, like you're making a movie, I mean, it's you could, it's so easily taken for granted. Like, it just it's on this digital card, and I'm, I'm filming something. But back in the day, I mean, it was a real, uh, you know, a twelve foot or twelve inch diameter reel of film of thirty five millimeter film that had to be sent back and forth. It's, it's pretty amazing, you know, looking back. When you look back at all the things we used to do <laughs> compared to the way things are done today, you know, everything is instantaneous right now. And back then, things were moved a little slower. The world was a lot bigger. It's like taking pictures now. Yeah. We take it for granted that I can take 300 you know, shots <laughs> yeah. on a dive. And see the image immediately on a little screen. <laughs> and know. get a pretty good idea of whether you got what you want or not. Whereas in, the, in these days, right, I mean... They would shoot all day long. Two days later, you know, they find out something something was incorrect. Well, and you got to redo <laughs> the whole thing. Exactly. The old schmucky so-and-so is in the background, you know, picking his nose. And 
you're like, oh fuck, and you, oh, you can't schmucky. remove it. That schmucky, exactly. <laughs> Head of uh, he's now leading Schmucknickel Divers <laughs> International. Old Later schmucky. became president. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can't remove it. I mean, you you can to a certain degree, but I mean, if he's in a it's, film. It's not like yeah, it's yeah. not like today. Or you didn't have the focus right, and you know they didn't have all all the automatic sensors for focus and things like that right right it was it was all a, a pretty much like a, a handcrafted analog job the whole thing you had to know what you were doing you truly had to know what you were doing and and be able to do it consistently that's why you got paid pretty well as a photographer slash cinematographer back in the uh 60s 70s yeah it wasn't just 80s but Buy a GoPro, set up a YouTube account, and, and you're a and you're a movie a movie a making <laughs> movie making star, Brando. And let me continue. Please do, sir. And there it was, a silver blur on just three frames of the film. Thirty-five millimeter film passes through the camera at a speed of twenty-four frames. A second. 24p. That gave us all pause for thought and almost caused Jackie Bissett to swoon. Swoon, eh? Swoon. <laughs> to swoon you, at us. If you could make Jackie Bissett swoon, you're either very, very handsome and debonair or you're a barracuda. Uh, I, I think I was the first one. <laughs> well, with that accent, you're just missing the eye patch. <clears throat> what was Jackie Bassett like as a person? Every male in the production crew was secretly in love with her. Of course they were. She was terrific. <laughs> she had our admiration our friendship, and perhaps most significant, our respect. And when she emerged from the water in that wet T-shirt, strong men sobbed aloud. (laughs) (laughs) That wording in the description alone is, that should put Stan in in some kind of, Top ten uh, of literature, don't you think? <laughs> you know what? Sh- who should be in, in, in the top ten is Great Time Podcast. Sh- should be getting royalties for all the rewatches of the Deep that are going to happen over the course of this next week. Oh, I'm going to pull out my DVD now. I should have. I should have, for that matter, uh, to prepare for the the podcast. But you know how I am. You know the the premise of our show is that's right. I come in cold. I have to come in cold. That's a that's a Pretty good excuse for saying I don't do shit until recording time. (laughs) However, Brando, it was not her opulent bosom or healthy good looks that drew us to her. (laughs) Opulent bosom. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How's that for literature? Where where do you go with opulent bosom? It's literature. And they think, you know, they think freaking Manscaped is a little edgy but even old stan with opulent bosom he's he's edging into manscape copy territory that's right don't you please think? use your opulent <laughs> lawnmower 5.0 your people. opulent jingle bells and north pole 
Hey, uh, let me go grab a uh, warm up my coffee because it's cold, and I know I've got fresh coffee there. And okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I'm get gonna your... let you. Uh, you're doing a great job as Stan Waterman, or what you believe Stan <laughs> Waterman would sound like. <laughs> okay, okay. Back to business. Speaking of opulent bosoms, where were we? Yes, it was not her opulent bosom or healthy good looks that drew us to her. It was her cheerful adjustment to the long, hard-working hours. 6 a.m. breakfast to 10 p.m. while the screening of the dailies finished. It was her dogged and successful resolve to overcome her fear of the sea and the underwater world. She had never dived before and took a crash course in the use of scuba less than a week before we commenced shooting. Her first open water dive was on location before the cameras, surrounded by safety divers. She discovered in that clear Caribbean water that beauty was manifest and danger non-existent. And so she began to relax and enjoy the experience. She ultimately came on like a tiger, urging us to do all her underwater scenes herself. Her double, Jackie Kilbride, had an easy time of it. Jackie B. also had a splendid sense of humor and enjoyed talking and laughing with the crew. And there was something about her bearing that was ineffably ladylike. A sense of quality. Both of them. Both of them. She had a sense of qualities. A nice sense of qualities. <laughs> she had some nice <laughs> opulent qualities. That's just, that is, we are going to take some bad, in this day and age, you cannot joke about anything like this, so we better stop right now, James. Stop it. Just right. stop it. Listen, this is, this is not Brando and James talking. This is Stan Waterman talking. This is... Say it. This is the the diving ambassador Stan Waterman talking, not James Ian Brando. We became good friends, her opulent bosoms and I. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> no, he says uh, he says we became how did the, good How did the great dive podcast the great dive podcast and it's <laughs> growing popularity. It was a good. It was a good, <laughs> it was a good run. run. It was a good run, Brandon. We if we're gonna fun. go, this is the way to go. If yes, yeah, this is, we're gonna go out in style. Her boyfriend, who visited with her during the weekends in Bermuda, trusted me. <laughs> you fucked up. You trusted me. <laughs> I rather wondered if that was a backhanded compliment. We dined together when. He was there, and Jackie and I made a dinner twosome one evening each working week at the Southampton Princess Hotel, where we all stayed. I was probably the least macho and most conservative of any in the production. You may guess that our friendship puzzled many, credited me enormously, and pleased me to no end. <laughs> Stan. Stan. I'm just, I'm just, hey, what are you doing? The innuendo is you guys off the go charts some, here. You guys want to go grab some beers down on the beach? No, no, no. I, I, I myself will be attending dinner with my dearest Jackie at the Southampton Princess once again this week. I'll be forming a twosome. 
with the dearest Jackie and her opulent bosoms. <laughs> there was one action part of the script that we fortunately assigned to the double. It involved the heroine, while diving along the bottom by the hull of the wreck, spotting something that glittered just inside a hole inside of the hull. She is carrying a short stick, the end of which is secured to her wrist. She pokes the stick into the hole, hoping to pull out the object. Something inside seizes the stick and pulls it into the hole, dragging the heroine with it. She fetches up against the hole, is pinned there struggling desperately, and finally disengages her wrist from the stick. The scene was meant to be a shocker. The action wild, the audience's first indication that something bad and powerful was inside the wreck. Now that is a, a very violent scene when you when you watch those first few minutes of the wreck. I mean, it, it's like she gets like ram like like just like smashed into into the wreck there. When we look at you know how we approach diving today on a on a reef a, a lot of what you see at the very beginning of this would would be like really yeah. this is a don't do don't yeah, do don't exactly. do don't molest the puffer fish yeah there's a lot of that going on. but again it's the 70s it was a different a different time if if you can look past that it's still it's still a classic great diving movie right now, inside the wreck, there was indeed something powerful, Brando. It was, in fact, George Marler, the Tortola dive master and senior diver in the area. When the stick entered the hole, George was cued to grab it and pull. He braced his feet, bent at the knees for leverage, grabbed the stick, and put everything he had into the pull. And on the other side, the double, Jackie Kilbride, was smashed against the iron hull with such force that her shoulder was nearly dislocated. Her struggle was fueled with real pain and desperation. Fucking George. What the hell, man? Dude, uh, he, he, he went, like, when you watch that scene, like, after yeah. reading this, like, I rewatched it. I'm like, damn, like, like she is, like, smashed into yes. that hull. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a, like I said, it, it's a violent, violent scene. Which I mean, I would have thought, I would have thought that George would have said, "Listen, I'm going to pull you really hard. I'm going to yank you really hard. So be ready." <laughs> but apparently, for not. fuck's sake, George! <laughs> apparently not. Three cameras rolled. The scene did not require a retake, and obviously, a retake was impossible. The double was out of commission for days, her arm in a sling, and the scene was an example of art imitating life all too well. The violence of the scene was such that it couldn't have been faked. In hindsight, Jackie B. was happy that we had insisted on her not doing the scene herself. Now, uh, shout out to uh, all, the, all the stunt performers out there, my, my brethren <laughs> of the SAG afterworld. Uh, the stunt people that uh, do all the, the dirty, nasty hard work while all those beautiful leading ladies and, and men get all the credit. In the shooting script, Brando, 
Jackie B would be filmed emerging from the dive by the stern of the small boat she and Nick Nolte were using. This was to be filmed both at water level and from the support ship, which was next to the dive boat. Al and Chuck and I decided to shoot the scene half in, half out. To do that, we mounted the underwater housings for the big 35-millimeter aeroflexes on small inflatable mats. By inflating the mats carefully, the dome ports of the camera were bisected by the water surface. The scene was set. Twenty or more crew watched from the crew boat. Cameras rolled as Jackie popped up by the ladder. And you know what this scene is. (laughs) I do. Every man who's ever watched this movie knows what this scene is. Now, she, like, after, like, when you watch through the movie, like, prior to this, like, she finally gets her wrist out of the little lanyard on the little, like, right. lobster tickle stick is what she's got there, kind of poking around, trying to see what, what is in that little opening in the, in the rack there. And then she goes into a, a violent panic, and the, her and Nick Nolte are wrestling in the water, and there's bubbles everywhere, and she goes bolting to the surface, and he goes shooting up to the surface, chasing after all the things that you and I have said not to do for the last 350 <laughs> episodes of the Great Dive Podcast. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, if you see really, really, really good diving... Yeah. On uh, on camera, it's uh, it's boring. Not an ex- it's not an exciting. <laughs> it's it's not an exciting movie to watch. Well, that is why you know basically every Discovery Channel, History Channel, etc. Every you know reenactments, everything is um, not that real. <laughs> Let me put it lightly. It's not that real. It's either staged, exaggerated. I mean, if you're going to keep people on the edge of their seats watching your show and, and sit through all the commercials, you're not going to have somebody with a beautiful frog kick that just swooshes and glides through the water effortlessly. You're going to have somebody flapping some fins, <laughs> hand swimming, desperation, bubble shooting as they go bolting over their buddy in, in a violent panic. Like, that's like edge of your seat. I, I, I can't take my eyes off of the scene. Yeah. For the average person, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. The, the take was proceeding perfectly when an object floated into view between the cameras and Jackie. We stopped rolling. The director yelled, but Jackie turned to see what had spoiled the scene, and we all stared incredulously as a huge turd floated by. <laughs> What? <laughs> oh man! I did not uh, see that coming. Nolte collapsed with laughter. Jackie turned away, hanging onto the ladder, her body shaking with laughter. We were caught between outrage and the disgusting humor of the intrusion. The director was only outraged and bellowed, who flushed the head down below? I'll crucify him. (laughs) In time, the story did the rounds of the production bunch and probably most of the island. The scene was successfully shot again, sans turd, 
and Jackie went on to the now famous wet t-shirt scene, and that was not played by the double. Ay ay ay. Ah, what a what a fun little what a fun little story. Uh, it, and uh, you know, it, it's this is a goddamn Stan Waterman story <laughs> that if it wasn't for the Great Dive podcast, Wouldn't no one would there. have ever heard the light of day from. <laughs> God damn it, Jacqueline Bissett, opulent bosoms and a floating turd on the set of the deep. It brought to you <laughs> by Jamesy and Brando, like only we could, people. Some people are probably wishing we didn't, but uh, yeah, definitely a, a gem of a story. Those are the things you don't hear about, right? <laughs> right, right. You, 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 when you're uh, talking Stan Waterman, everybody's gonna, you know, sit there and you know talk about his early days of National Geographic. Oh, did you see Blue Water, White Death? You're not gonna get the. Uh, <laughs> Brown water. <laughs> you're not going to get brown water opulent bosom. You're not, you're not going to get that story very often. Uh, but what a great one. Uh, it, people, it's from the book Sea Salt, Memories and Essays by Stan Waterman. I mean, I mean this is a great book. I mean, I'm glad I get, got to get my uh, hands on a hardcover edition of it to add to my scuba library. I'm buying it right now, James. Buying it right now. Is it still available? Is it still in print? Well, hardcover right here. Yeah, of course it is. Hardcover, hundred bucks. Woo! Uh, it arrives before Christmas. This is a, a thirty-dollar book, so somebody's it must not be in print anymore. That's a collector's item anymore. I might have to start going through my scuba li- library, selling some of these back. I probably uh, buy me that brand new uh, Rolls Royce I've been eyeing. Well, hey everybody. Um, I hope you enjoyed our little look back at the life of another diving great that unfortunately has has left left the dive boat or he's up in the the big great dive boat in the sky <laughs> or he's he's at the dive bar probably uh Stan Waterman probably is at the dive yeah. bar he's got his eye patch he's up there uh telling stories to the uh the other Lovely ladies of the great dive bar in the sky. Enjoying the, enjoying the, the sweet life. So shout out to old Stan, Stanton Waterman. Stanton. And the lovely, the lovely, lovely Winifred Jacqueline Fraser Bissett. And uh, this, this is a fun story, Brandon. This is a nice, fun look back. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, this is definitely something the, uh, the Great Dive Podcast would bring to you. Yes, and I... And I know there's a lot of people that probably have uh, unsubscribed from uh, our podcast. <laughs> Those, the, the, the three of you that are still left. I don't know if we're that. I, I, shout, think, out to, <laughs> shout out to Fred. I think the ones that are left are the ones, you know, that we can, uh, we can hang out with. Yeah, this, so uh, this show is for you. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, once again, all of you who uh, donate on uh, Patreon and YouTube and have bought Don't Touch stickers and all our uh, silly little stuff over the years. Big, big thank you to you guys as we get closer and closer to the end of another year of the Great Dive Podcast. Brando, Brando, should we sign some log books? Let us shall. Let us shall. Give me the book of thine dive logs. <laughs> Fourth, I shall sign upon it with great dignity of such an opulent dive amongst 
Your... Bring out the book of thine dive logging. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. This is Brandon Schwartz signing off from the Great Dive Podcast. Until then, toodles. I'm off to my twosome. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Blah, blah, blah.